So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. This week, we give you the best of the Super Bowl and the back-and-forth in that match. The XFL continuing and actually picking up where the NFL left off. Uh, the superlatives of the NFL, like the MVP Offensive Player of the Year, uh, Jay-Z's relationship with the NFL, Patriots offering Tom Brady some number he might not agree to, and the CBA contracts extensions with the NBA, along with a little bit of Damian Lillard and the all-star NBA game rule changes. Uh, but before we get into it, go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex, and Muhammad, say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening, and make sure you subscribe to our podcast and other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, subscribe. Uh, a lot of the people know about us. We're we get, we're pretty up to date on everything and uh, give you the best stories out there. But we begin with the Super Bowl. Of course, the great Super Bowl with the Chiefs versus the 49ers. Now, most of this matchup, 49ers had the game in hand, making um, Patrick Mahomes not really feel comfortable against this daunting defense of the 49ers. Uh, but in the end, it changes in the fourth quarter as the Chiefs win 31 to 20 versus the 49ers. So quickly, I ask. Did the Chiefs take the Super Bowl or did the 49ers give it away? I'm going to have to give the Chiefs uh, credit for winning this game. But the 49ers did not help themselves because that was just ridiculous. Uh, it, it had some of the same things that happened whenever the head coach of the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons against the Patriots in that Super Bowl. It was a much bigger lead that they had, and they only ran the ball, I think, maybe five times in that whenever they had that lead. And it had some of those same similar things happen, except I mean, Patrick Mahomes was trying to give the game away to them. He threw two interceptions back to back, just game breaking interceptions that just should have ended the game. But they got out of their game plan, um, started throwing the ball with Jimmy G and he could not deliver. He just flinches in the pocket. Um, doesn't seem like he was really ready for that spotlight. I mean, I'm going to give the Chiefs some credit, but the 49ers didn't help. I can agree. Um, the Chiefs really took this Super Bowl away from the 49ers. The 49ers defense just, it, it was non-existent when it came to the fourth quarter. Uh, it was a different story throughout pretty much the rest of the game for the 49ers. They had control. Uh, they were on the way. If they would have won this game, Jimmy G would have gotten the MVP of this uh, Super Bowl. So the things quickly changed from uh, Jimmy G possibly being that MVP to large criticism today. Um, but I, I'll say more than Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and actually more than just him took the Super Bowl away from the 49ers. And the 49ers really didn't show up in their best part, which is defense. And that's really what they needed to come through with. I would have to disagree with that. The defense pretty much held up for the most part. It, it was the offense that didn't allow them enough time off the field. They kept getting three and outs and not having 
long drives like they usually do with uh, multiple long runs and uh, multiple long drives. And that second half, well, most mostly the fourth quarter, they just could not stay on the field, and they had the defense on the field too long. I'm pretty sure the Chiefs had more time of possession, which is terrible for any team whenever you're going up against the Chiefs. And you keep giving Patrick Mahomes that many times to get a touchdown, he's just eventually going to come through. And then once he gives you two interceptions, well, the defense gave him two interceptions. You got to come through on that. You're up by 10 points. It, there's no excuse. Uh, at best, you can say both sides let him down because the defense still has to show up. Yeah, it's still on them to make it a three and out. Uh, they still have to hold their ground. They are up. At this point, they are up. It is 2010 uh, at that point. Uh, so, yeah, if the defense holds up, then no offense. There's no more offense that needs to be made. Um, I, and so I can't, I can't f- fully agree at all on that one. If anything, it's both sides. It's just that the offense couldn't, couldn't come up with immediate points after defense put them in a bad position. And I understand. I definitely understand your point where they were uh, doing three and outs on the offensive side, creating where the defense had to be on the field also. But if anything, you do a back and forth. If the offense is going to go off for three uh, plays, then defense got to come through for three plays and hold them. It's, it's both sides on this one at minimum, but I still lean in on the 49ers defense because they were up 20-10 going into the fourth quarter. But how did the defense put the offense in bad positions? Well, if you're getting scored on, that's a bad position. But if they give you two interceptions, you can at least drive the, the ball down the field to take some time off the clock. The I, I def- doing nothing. I agree. I agree. But one thing that uh, we it's kind of said out here is defense wins championships. In this situation, all they had to do was play defense, and they won the championship. Often, there was no more offense that needed. Absolutely, at the point where they were at the beginning of the fourth quarter, there was no more offense that absolutely needed to be come through. Now, understand? Yes, they gave them situations where they can go down the field and extend it out so that the defense gets rest. But still, it's still – the defense is still on the field. They still – you can't score – well, you can score on an offense, but that would have to have the Chiefs defense actually scoring, and that didn't happen. I completely disagree because they, the offense just had the defense out there way too long. They, they did nothing. Uh, Jimmy G, he, he played terrible, especially in the second half. Uh, yeah, um, I agree. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing on the fact that the offense was abysmal. I'm just saying if the defense still did their job, they still win the Super Bowl. I completely disagree. The the, the offense so, put the defense so you, in bad positions. So you're saying if they don't hold them down and don't let them score, uh, then they actually when I understand you get tired and that, you do factor more things into it, but. When it comes down to it, when you're trying to just blame or point somewhere, I'm blaming it on the off one out of defense. I understand offense was horrible, but the defense, if at minimum, if they did their job, there is a Super Bowl win. They did. It's just that the offense did not help the defense. They just kept giving the ball away and not gaining any yards, throwing the ball, not taking any time off the clock, and just giving Patrick Mahomes – multiple chances you can't blame it on the defense they they did as good of a job as i think they could 
holding back that uh, powerful offense for the Chiefs. But the so offense just did nothing. Their best was 31 points. Well, before that, that long run, I'm not really counting after that, that, that long run touchdown. It, it was 24 I agree. I agree. You don't, you don't really count that. It, it padded the uh, stats. It helped for the betters. But, uh, yeah, at that point, the game was kind of in hand. They were just running the ball to run the ball and just so happened that one worked out. But go ahead with your point. Yeah, I'm just saying the offense put the defense in bad, bad positions. Jimmy G, he throws another interception. Um, and then they decided not to run the ball, even though they had multiple times where they were they were up in the yardage percentage. And even if you didn't gain, let's say, let, let's say you gain just one yard on on uh, second and five. Keep running the ball. That's what got you there. Why are you throwing the ball with Jimmy G? He's he's not that good. And they just got out of the game plan. True, and that's it's also uh, points to the sideline. So this is also a coach issue. It's it, overall, I, I say it's, it's collective. It's a collective issue, and the defense is going to have to take a share of that blame. I understand. I hear your point, but they're going to have to take a little bit of share of this blame uh, because they were the ones getting scored on. Yeah, they they definitely deserve some blame, but the offense deserves the most blame along with the head coach. Okay. We met somewhere in the middle. But uh, next question, um, what was the most exciting part of the Super Bowl? The most exciting? It's really hard to say. There there really was no play that really stood out to me. Um, There was no historic play, nothing that just really just caught my eye. Like, wow. Um, It was really the first time that I saw Patrick Mahomes have some pressure on him. Uh, This was the first time that. Well, first time in this playoffs where somebody actually put some pressure on him. Um, so I guess that was exciting. But other than that, there was nothing that really stood out. Well, he has a habit of doing this, of that whole comeback. Uh, he already, I think, has more comeback wins than any other quarterback in the history of the NFL already off of two seasons. Um, so I, I didn't mention on. any comebacks, though. But <laughs> Go ahead. Well, you said put a pressure. So you mean pressure as in? No, I mean, I said the I said the defense put pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. So they're as far as like getting in his face, uh, hitting him. That's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. So, but uh, I agree. He he has some pressure uh, on him, but he does have a habit of uh, doing it how like he's doing it. Uh, He has a habit of coming out of it on the end, at the end of it on top. That's just what I'm saying. I'm not so it's. It's like uh, he's been pressured when it okay the defense pressured him, but he was not under any pressure he wasn't already accustomed to. So I I can I can agree that the defense definitely pressured him and put him in bad positions all the way up to the fourth quarter. But it is also still a familiar situation for him because he actually has a good a pretty high record for comebacks already. Okay, but well, okay. what, what, what play sticks out to you? Oh, yeah, I forgot I even answered the question. Uh, but the most exciting part of the Super Bowl, because I, I, I phrased it that way, was actually the halftime. <laughs> <If I'm sorry. laughs> so you agree with me then? Yeah, 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 I do. Because <laughs> I was saying, I, would, I didn't say which play. I was just saying the Super Bowl, uh, it would be the, the halftime. Like, they did pretty good. I can, I can give them that. Um, Shakira and... Jennifer Lopez did pretty good, better than I thought they would do. So it's not heavy complaints. 
Uh, they're still not the best Super Bowl ever, but I can put them somewhere between two and three uh, for halftime performances. And if you want to know my my rank for uh, Super Bowl performances, it's going to be Prince in Miami, uh, where they were in the Super Bowl. Then you got Shakira and uh, J-Lo because they, they did very well. And then three has to be the Super Bowl where Janet, of course, showed her breast. But... <laughs> <laughs> what about the Beyonce one? That was pretty good. Now, nah, I'm good. I'm good on that one. Yeah, I'm good on that one. I'm definitely good on that one. Those are my top three. Okay. Well. Um, well, I, I yeah, guess you I'm agree. curious. I'm nothing. curious. I'm curious. What's your top three verbal performances? All um, time that you've seen. It's really hard to say because most times I don't really pay attention that much. Um, it's more of if I really what? like it or or I don't. <laughs> True, but you gotta have to like come on, like you have to have some type of favoritism uh, towards which one was better than the other. Um, I, uh, this past one was pretty good. Um, last year it was okay. Uh, Justin Timberlake. Um, who was the year before? That only Lady... like they seem to get forgotten. We keep going. <laughs> Lady Gaga, I think. Yeah, oh, she was fine. that was the top. That was the top one because she came from the sky. That was that was yeah. hot, and she wasn't lip singing. So I can actually put that at number four, and roughly maybe number three because I'm just biased to that number number three, the uh, Super Bowl with Janet and Tim, Justin Timberlake. It was just it, it was a fun Super Bowl, <laughs> and it's not because and not because of the rest, not because of the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, not because of the rest. The were in the Super Bowl. That right helped, here. didn't it? And it was a great Super Bowl party. I was in high school. And also, okay, yeah, that helped also because I actually caught that one part when I really wasn't paying attention to the halftime uh, of the Super Bowl, which was crazy. That was when I first became a fan of the Patriots. <laughs> but um, uh, I think – I, I like Katy Perry's one. That that was pretty good. Uh, I don't remember Beyonce, that one. of course. I don't. Well, I Katy Perry's that one. was Katy Perry's was the one with the Patriots and the Seahawks, and I Beyonce was the Ravens and the Forty Niners. Um, I barely remember that one, and I really didn't care about it at all. <laughs> Bruno Mars, he he was, oh, pretty, that was good. pretty good. Yeah, that was he, a good he one. was the one with uh, Seahawks and the Broncos. That was a really good one, so I can put that at like number five. Yeah, but after that, well, before that, it's Prince was pretty forgotten. good. Prince yeah, most of it's top. forgotten. Prince was the best one if you got, actually saw it, because that one was the best one with the rain coming from the. Yeah, we were way too into this one, but uh, yeah, I would still say the best part was the halftime show. Um, but to kind of go along to to bring. Take it along here. Um, last question on the Super Bowl. How much does Andy Reid, the head coach of the Chiefs, legacy change with this Super Bowl win? Oh, this puts him at one of the best coaches ever with this Super Bowl win. Because that was the only thing missing from his resume. He's had multiple wins. Um, I think he, he's had the most wins without a Super Bowl ring um, in in NFL history as a coach. So this really puts him over the top and it just adds to his already great legacy. And now he can be looked at as one of those uh, long-term greatest of all time coaches. I I agree. Cause uh, to kind of give you a little bit of weird stats and weird numbers that match up, it was his 222nd game 
he played in, uh, sorry, that he coached in at, during the Super Bowl. And he won his 220, actually, sorry, he won his 20, 222nd game, uh, as in the Super Bowl. And yesterday was February 2, 2nd to 20. So uh, weirdly, all those n- uh, numbers w- match up, but I'm, I'm a believer in those numbers and the fact that it, I think it's going to be lucky for him. I think he gets another Super Bowl actually pretty like quickly within the next two years if they they don't actually repeat here. Because uh, I have a, as other people feel, it's mostly after the Super Bowl when somebody wins that they're going to return. I actually kind of see them returning and getting one back to back. You don't see Lamar Jackson coming back and uh, no, coming no, trust to me, I'm, that Super Bowl. I'm heavily a fan of him, and I will be rooting for over like in the longevity of the situation. I don't really dislike either. Uh, I don't like di- dislike Patrick Mahomes at all. I actually really, really like him, but I attach more to Lamar Jackson and his talent. So out of favoritism, I had to kind of choose, but it's only a small notch above the other. I'm going to root for Lamar Jackson over uh, Patrick Mahomes. So. Trust me, I'm going to be rooting towards uh, Lamar Jackson actually making it to Super Bowl next year. But the way things are set up and the way I kind of believe in numbers, I feel like they're going to do a back, back-to-back. And that's not just off of that, but it's also the evidence of how their team is set up and the weapons they have. Oh, yeah, they, their weapons are young, all signed to a good amount of contracts, and then Patrick Mahomes is next. So they'll definitely have a lot of success. But – with Super Bowl wins comes egos and wanting to get paid. So there will be probably some other people, probably on the defensive side, that'll go other places. Um, their offense is pretty much intact. I don't know about the offensive line, but they look like they're pretty good for the future. But some of these other teams are going to rise up, I feel like. I think they're very good off right now. Um they will need to strengthen the defense. And like you said, egos come in, but I think that's where they have this one good year before the egos fully get there. Uh, and I actually think they can repeat. Now, if it stretches out into a third year where they don't win the next year, that's where the real trouble is going to happen with contracts and everything. But I think they have a buffer year. They have one buffer year, which is going to be next year. And if they can pull it out, they'll, they'll do it within the time without having too many issues with with having to play a lot of these players who come along with the Super Bowl on their resume. Yeah. Um, but I, I just feel like some of these other teams that uh, didn't make the playoffs and didn't make the playoffs, they're going to be hungry and ready. Agree. Agree. Um, but uh, to move along, we're moving to more football that actually starts next Saturday with the XFL. It has been, Kind of highly uh, awaited uh, for some media. Uh, so not media, but yes, definitely media. But when it comes to fans, because there is a drop off uh, when there is no more football to tune into. Now, the XFL has jumped into the slot as their first game starts Saturday, February 8th of 2020. Uh, a lot of there's like a lot of exciting new rule changes that are different from the NFL's way of playing football, but not too much that it overhauls your understanding of their football. Uh, now, just to kind of give you some brief rules that we've covered in uh, past episodes, but brief, quick rules that will be standout different from the NFL. There will be a college-style overtime where both teams get the ball at least once. 
you will have three options for an extra point after scoring, and you have the ability to do two passes within one play, as long as it's behind the line of scrimmage. Um, incentivizing trick plays, along with some other smaller rules, but not too much that makes you want to turn off the TV. Uh, but what are you looking most forward to with the reboot of the XFL League? The thing that I'm looking forward to the most is just more football, um, because it, it, there's always a long drought to the NFL regular season. And after, let's say, a week or two or a month or a couple of months, people are really hungry just to see more football um, and football that counts, not just like preseason or whatever. Uh, but this will be a nice transition into just some more football. Um is it like eight weeks or something like that? How long the season is? Ah, oh, dang. Right. You caught me off guard on that one because I'm really not sure. But I think that is actually correct. I really do think that it is eight weeks. But uh, you can't really hold me to that one. Um, okay. Like, I, okay. I would have to look it up. But, All right. So, oh, well, uh, also just, uh, just seeing uh, – some of these old players that weren't weren't able to make it onto NFL rosters get another chance and maybe somehow work their way back into the NFL if they do do good in this XFL league. Yeah. Um, most exciting thing is really, like you said, more football. But I, I want to see what this is morphed into because it didn't really last long when it came to the XFL before. And they are making some rules that may make this exciting because it's all centered around a fast paced game. And I'm, I'm guessing they at least did a few different games of probably some extra, extra backup uh, people, some people around the neighborhood, um, but saw the pace, <laughs> the pace of what this game may be. I'm, I'm hoping it's extremely fast paced and I, I, not too fast paced that you can't keep up with it. But fast-paced enough for the popularity of it to grow, because uh, I I'm actually hopeful that Antonio Brown makes it <laughs> go to the XFL. You remember I said this a long while ago that his best hope is to go to the XFL and to be real at the point where he's at and uh, desperate. I think that's the best thing for him. He can be the star of that league, even though he would get paid pretty low. Uh, but the most exciting thing is about the the rule changes for me. Yeah, the rule changes will be different. Uh, I'm still kind of skeptical about them just to see how they work out. But I, I feel like the XFL, they want to take this more seriously because before a lot of it was we're just so much better than the NFL and this is how we're going to do things. Um, like a something with the cheerleaders being more, I guess, sexualized and all that stuff. But it looks like they're t taking a more serious approach with this one. So are they doing that again? They haven't come out and said anything about that. And I don't think they can in this this climate of uh, just, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say, but the Me Too movement. Um, I, I just don't think they can do that now. But even though cheerleaders still exist and their skimpy outfits still exist, so I don't know, but that really was what they were based around before was violence and sexuality on to the extreme. Yeah, they, they want to be taken more seriously with this approach. They they want to build for the long term and not the short term. 
I wonder if they actually get cheerleaders this time around. It's, it's, of course, it's, it's a lot to look at because I, I have no idea what we're going to see. Uh, they might get some cheerleaders, but how much are they really going to get paid? Because the ones in the NFL really don't get paid that much. Yeah, I was about to say, shoot, that might be a come up. I was really just going the same route in my head. It might be a come up for if there are cheerleaders to go to the XFL because really the majority of the cheerleaders in the NFL have to almost do it for free. Um, they get paid on like it's it, it's extremely low. It is way below ten dollars an hour. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm so serious. I don't know about ten below ten dollars no, an hour. I'm so serious. Yes, it is. Look it up. I like, I'm so serious. Around- $25,000 a year, which isn't much at all. 25000 No, 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 no. They're, they're getting paid like dirt. Like Some, I think, are pretty much volunteering. I'm, I'm really serious about this. <laughs> like, I'm so serious. Well, that's a crime. <laughs> it is a crime. Like, they, they, like, you, like, for real, look this up. Like, they, are, they almost get paid dirt. And I'm serious, like, I'm honestly being generous by saying $10 an hour, because they don't like that. They don't get paid by an hour. They almost get paid on a uh, slight stipends type thing. Then what is the purpose? I don't think they should even be there. It's to be a cheerleader, to be exposed, uh, the exposure. And I guess in the, I hopefully they're thinking not like this, but to catch a baller. Uh, so they don't have to work. <laughs> but um, to draw back in, I, I, would, I would think that that might be a come up for cheerleaders in the NFL to go to the XFL to get a lot more money. And it really doesn't even uh, conflict with the NFL season because they don't exist during the same time. So you can actually get some real money in the offseason. Uh, that definitely went a little less, but I think that might be a, a possibility for these cheerleaders out here. Yeah, maybe, but I'm pretty sure they had other jobs. They do. A lot of them have great jobs. Like, I'm serious. Like, some are doctors. Uh, it's crazy. Some of these are, like, I've, I've done, watching enough documentaries and stuff like that, and it, they get paid extremely low, and a lot of them are extremely successful in other things. Uh, but, and they just really want to do it. But, uh, to move along, uh, with success in this league, the XFL, do you think it will be an in- impact on the NFL positively or negatively? I think the only way that this can go is more positive than negative because the NFL is already a a well-established organization and they can learn from the XFL's mistakes or positives that people uh, take from it. Let's say like they get really good ratings and people are really into the new rules. Maybe the NFL starts to implement some of their rules from the XFL. And if it goes south, then they know not to do those things that the XFL did. So I, I think it's a win-win in this situation. That was a great point because I was thinking I was at least going to argue the fact that it could go negative on the long-term role, not a short-term, but more in the long-term. But I forget that the NFL can just steal whatever rules that the XFL has. Because the XFL stole the other rules from the NFL. So it's kind of like they can never really lose in this situation. 
most players are really just going to play in that league so that they can get to the NFL, so they can get to a certain type of Hall of Fame when this is shortly established with the XFL. Um, the only thing that I can see making it more like negative for the NFL is p- player empowerment. Whether there's just a big stream of revenue out of nowhere, fans really attached to it. It's just something they revolutionized the idea of football. And it really does catch on in the next five years. And now that players from college, great players are actually joining the XFL. Now that could be a negative. That's it's far from possible. It's not going to happen, but anything's possible. But in that case, that's the only way I could see it going negative because the XFL NFL is hard on their rules and what they want to actually give to the players and what type of power they want to give to the players. As the XFL, I'm pretty sure it's going to try to be anti NFL negativity. Yeah, that's really the only way it goes south. If they take the, I guess the best players from the NFL, but that's really hard to see. People are so attached to the brand of the NFL and loyal to their team that it's just hard to jump to some other team that just came out of nowhere. Agreed. But the only thing that may help that is that these, uh, these teams are in major cities. They're in Las Vegas. It's in, um, we're in Texas. Uh, it's in Houston. No, I'm pretty sure it's Dallas. Dallas, Dallas. Renegades. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's Dallas. Sorry about that. That's a very large, uh, state, uh, city for football. You got Dallas, you have New York, you have Las Vegas, you have just different major, all of them are in major cities. So that may help the fandom uh, ship of the XFL. And it's not a lot of teams. I think it's only eight. I'm pretty sure it's only eight. Yeah, that's right. It's only eight. Uh, And also, I think the league being right after the NFL helps because they don't have to compete at the same time. Not at all. They actually come in right when everybody's actually very extra thirsty for football. Like, if anything, they should have waited it out one more week so people really get drawn out. But I guess you don't want to lose their attention while it's still some uh, normalcy to tuning in on on the weekend for football. And what better than it being on a Saturday? And I actually don't, I don't think they're going to have games on Sundays at all. Yeah, it's almost like college. Uh, they they have well, I'm not sure what time the the game is. They even, are, but they even it's like replace college. college. They even replace college. So let's say you take a little break off from college, and let's say right before the NFL, you needed to lift your stock. You go to the XFL. They are really like actually the business model is actually well thought out, whether they they fully thought it out or not. Because really, if you wanted to lift your stake. Uh, and let's say just for some reason you got hurt at the end of the year, you weren't able to show out as best as you could when it came to college, and you, you're out of years of staying at college. You go to the XFL, and they have a whole offseason that they are, can scout you from the XFL. It's, it's great. All before even having to play in the, the coinciding uh, NFL season. Yeah, that is a good point. But it's hard to see these players putting themselves in this position to get more hits on them. Well, no, they have to. If you're not, if you weren't going to make the NFL anyway, this this makes it the way you make the NFL. You might even get drafted because the NFL's draft is is I think after the season ends. I'm not even exact on the day 
of the NFL draft, but I, I'm pretty sure it's after the XFL season. So it does nothing but list the stock that maybe may be low. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it ends pretty close to the draft. It's almost like they put it right in between the Super Bowl and the NFL draft. It's perfect. It literally is perfect. I didn't even think about it from the college uh, um, perspective. It's perfect for lifting your stock, no matter what you what whether you're a top recruit and you want to go higher, or whether you want to be your low stock that wouldn't have got drafted anyway, and you lift it by going to the XFL and, and performing well. They'll take a shot on you. Yeah, and there was also some players that played in that league from last year, the AAF, who got some chances in the NFL. See? Yeah, so I actually believe in this model a little bit, at least the positioning of this business model. Of course, they have to complete the game, they have to complete a full season, and have to be entertaining uh, for players to want to join, but... They're setting themselves up for great success, especially with the positioning of this. Uh, even if it was NFL players, and let's say you're getting kicked out of the league and like yeah, you're between teams and nobody won't actually invest in you, go to the XFL, get you a, a small sum over the summer, and you still get a little bit of a, a summer break before you have to go to training camp. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I, I hope it really works out. Yeah, I don't even think you have to sacrifice the summer because this is pretty early in the year. Uh, but, yeah, I, just thinking into it and the positioning of where their season is, it, it actually does, is built for success the way it's built right behind the NFL. Um, but um, moving on, we're going to the NFL superlatives, which is the 2019-2020 regular season awards uh, to cover over the major ones. Uh, that were handed out this past weekend. The league MVP went to Lamar Jackson, uh, the quarterback for the Ravens. Then you have the offensive player of the year, Michael Thomas, wide receiver of the Saints. Defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore, cornerback for the Patriots. Offensive rookie of the year, Kyler Murray, quarterback for the Cardinals. Defensive rookie of the year, Nick Bobota, defensive end for the 49ers. Comeback player of the year, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G, quarterback for the 49ers and coach of the year with Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers coach. Uh, a little dominant on the tail end for the 49ers. And I'll upgrade since I'm going to just go, come out the gate here. Looking over all the winners, where did they get it right and where did they get it wrong? I feel like most of them were right. Um, the only one that I probably have a problem with is Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe that's just a sore spot right now because of his performance in the Super Bowl. But I think Ryan Tannehill might have been a better choice because people basically thought his career was over and he came back and led a team to the AFC championship. Not completely by himself, but he played very well down the stretch. Um, he he was almost like a, a heightened game manager. He, he was pretty good in his spots. Jimmy Garoppolo was good, yeah, at times, but they didn't really need him, as you saw in the NFC Championship game. And whenever they tried to uh, depend on him, he could not deliver. So that's really the only one that I can disagree with. Okay. Um, Now, Coach of the Year, mm, I I would probably give that to the Ravens coach. 
um, because they they had a pretty good record. Um, I'm not I, I feel like they're supposed to take these votes before the playoffs start, but it feels like they did it after the playoffs start because it's just real dominant with people's idea of the playoffs after a couple games in that in the playoffs, at least two. Uh, now the Jimmy G comeback player of the year, uh, he did have an injury. He did come back and he did lead them to the Super Bowl. Um, so it's, I, I guess, tomato, tomato on the, on the Tannehill, because I, I agree his career was kind of dead. Uh, we didn't feel that way about Jimmy G. So yeah, and that may be the biggest debate. I did like that Colin Murray did come out offensive player of the year, uh, year, but sorry, offensive rookie of the year, but it, it has to be someone else who was a rec- rookie. They could have won that because Kyler Murray uh, team ended last in the division. So I kind of have a little bit of beef with your you being the leader of the team and your team ending last in the division, even though it was a great year for that division. The Seahawks, the 49ers and the uh, I'm not sure what the other team right now is. I can't remember. The Rams. Rams they had a mediocre Rams, season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, there could be some debate there, but people are always going to go in favor of the quarterback if he has an above average year. The running back or wide receiver, they're just going to have to put up monster stats just to get even noticed. Yeah, and I also felt like um, with the running back for the Panthers, Christian McCaffrey, I feel like he should have he fit should have fit somewhere in that. That would have been uh, offensive play of the year, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, but I can't give him that one, to be real, because Michael Thomas was amazing this year. He was amazing. So I can't really give him offensive player of the year. <sighs> God, I guess there is no room for him in these awards because uh, he couldn't get MVP. But I, I felt like somewhere in there he was supposed to fit in some type of awards here. I, I think he did make all pro, but uh, I feel like there's more room. He got all pro in two positions, um, running back and a flex position, which I didn't know was a thing. I didn't know that either. I didn't know there was a flex position, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I guess uh, hopefully that is double in his check. I don't know how those work, um, by, but yeah, hopefully it's, it reflects in his pockets because this is, of course, a business. Um, but I'm moving to the second question here. Uh, Lamar Jackson has now become the second ever unanimous MVP winner joining Tom Brady. Uh, was there anyone else who deserved a vote from this past year, though? I would say Russell Wilson. He definitely deserves some votes. Uh, his team was really not that well-rounded. The defense was good in places. They made big plays whenever they needed to, but they gave up a lot of yards. Um, he lost Multiple running backs at the end of the season. Um, he had, I would say, an above average wide receiving core, but definitely not the best. So so I really think that he lifted up his team to the best of his ability. And to just become, just come, I, I think, one yard from uh, having the number one seed is just that much of a... Um, that that shows just how good of a quarterback he was this year. So I think he at least deserved maybe a couple of votes, 
But Lamar Jackson, what he did setting all those records and dominating through the regular season, that was just overwhelming along with their record and how they beat up teams. So it's it just looks better for Lamar Jackson. But I would have gave Russell Wilson some more votes. Okay. Um, you know, I'm a Russell Wilson fan. He's my favorite quarterback behind Drew Brees in the league. Um, only reason why I like the Seahawks. But with this question being that anybody else deserve a vote? No, not this year. Lamar Jackson, all the way. He really was a unanimous known MVP. Like, there was no doubt he was going to win MVP. Anybody else wasting their vote on anyone else? Was, it was pointless. It was absolutely pointless. Lamar Jackson was amazing. And I recently watched the documentary of Vic with the 30 for 30, and he really does resemble Vic. Of course, we've already made this comparison. Some people even saying that Lamar Jackson might be better than Vic. No, they're about equal because Vic was actually a little bit greater than I, my even my idea of Vic. Uh, as you look at his high school and college uh, performances and uh, some of the amazing things he did, um, and with the passing ability, uh, which Vic did have it. If you look at the documentary Thirty for Thirty, he had that also early in his years. Lamar Jackson really put it all together. He didn't have fifty touchdowns like Patrick Mahomes last year, but. He spread it around with 1,200 rushing yards, 43 touchdowns, and more than enough yards. Yeah, he spread it around. Um, He did a lot with his legs. Uh, He he was great in every way possible. Uh, But I think Russell Wilson would have been the one to get some of those votes if there was anybody to give some votes to somebody. Uh, He he played very well, and – it's it's really just like Drew Brees last year. If Patrick Mahomes didn't come out of nowhere, uh, he probably would have won it. But Drew Brees kind of uh, put it to towards the end, and Patrick Mahomes just kept just really just kept trucking. So those youngins, they coming in and taking over the league. Yeah, the dual threat quarterbacks, even putting uh, Russell Wilson, who is a dual threat quarterback, in his grave when it comes to being able to win the MVP. Not career-wise. It was, it was, I know, I know. That's why I had to say career-wise. Um, but do you have any beef with Lamar Jackson being a unanimous MVP? No, I have no beef with that. Um, congratulations to him, but I'm pretty sure he would have rather won a Super Bowl than a league MVP. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, he had bigger high hopes. We, I even had more high hopes for him uh, this year, but it seems to be uh, this way even for Patrick Mahomes, which people are already deeming the best quarterback ever. Take your licks and you make the Super Bowl the following year, which doesn't always work out that way, but I do hope that to be the way for Lamar Jackson. Um, but to move on, uh, we've discussed Jay- Jay-Z's partnership with the NFL and his influence on the NFL season. Early, uh, it was reported that he would be over Super Bowl performance. He would be over entertainment for the league, along with uh, social justice and awareness uh, when it comes to relationships with the NFL. Uh, but since we're at the end of this season and the full year has went through, even the Super Bowl, what has Jay-Z done for the players and the NFL league? What has he done? 
Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, nothing has been reported. The only thing that I think he did was get Jennifer Lopez and Shakira to perform because he's over the music stuff. But it's hard to say what he did this year. Maybe there's some upcoming things that's uh, that he's going to put some work into. But I have no idea. There was nothing reported. So all I can say is he did nothing. I can agree because this has been a running debate with me in the uh, office and some people who do listen to this, uh, our podcast, um, like what I had this kind of idea that um, I took the perspective of not trusting Jay-Z as we debated early uh, in the season um, with the relationship between the two and what was he really going to do for him and all this other thing. And it kind of seems like he didn't do anything. Uh, as we are looking at the season as a whole, I don't even think he designed the uh, NFL um, Super Bowl halftime. Now, if he did, great performance, like for entertainment wise. But when it comes to social justice, the only thing I've seen him do, or I guess kind of help the players, is a player who actually was not even in the league, which is the Kaepernick tryout. That's really the only thing I can say he's done for the NFL and that really wasn't for the NFL and it really wasn't for an existing player. So it, it gets a little kind of uh, confusing on the relationship they are establishing. I per, uh, position this because with Jay-Z and Beyonce sitting at the national anthem, as I've seen a video of, and you can also see it online. Do you think there is more to come from the Jay-Z and the NFL's partnership? I think there has to be more to come because there's going to be people who cry out, what are you doing? Uh, what happened to the action and not just talking? We're done talking. When is this action going to be put into perspective? When are we going to see some results? People are going to start crying out whenever they see no results. I I, I agree. I definitely agree. But um, like I'm actually still even more confused because it seems like uh, Jay-Z is carrying on really a Kaepernick agenda. Uh, I, I didn't really like, I didn't pre coming into this conversation thinking of it that, that way, but it kind of only seems like a Kaepernick uh, agenda because even sitting for the national anthem, eh, of course he may have his own reasons just like other people for not standing for the national anthem, but it is being seen. And you know, you're a public figure it's going to be seen as action, even if you're not doing something specifically when you're going against the grain of what's going on around you. Uh, so I, it, it's all confusing because the NFL is clearly against the protests of the national anthem and their main partner that they had sitting up together with Roger Cadell taking pictures with, and had to make it publicly known as they don't normally even do when even this partnership with Papa John's is not even public until the commercials are coming out. It's simply just confusing. And and I don't even see why they would want to continue uh, that type of relationship since they've only gotten a trial with Kaepernick and slightly, I guess the perception wise got over the barrel with the Kaepernick situation just because of the thing way it played out. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, hopefully there is some type of results or there's something being reported soon because this is the off season. Um, 
nobody's really worrying about playing games and paying attention to that. So when are we going to see some results as far as social justice? Uh, Jay-Z is supposed to be the head of that and doing um, behind closed doors, uh, talking and getting results. Um, we're waiting for that. Uh, and what's crazy is I actually I felt like I saw less hip hop performances throughout this year when there were opportunities for halftime shows. Is it just me? Well, how many halftime shows are you really going to get in the NFL? There, there are halftime <laughs> shows during the playoffs uh, where it was just a few times where I, I'm always kind of like growing an analysis for just different things. And one of those projects in my head was what is Jay-Z doing for the NFL? And anytime I saw the halftime, that's the only thing I could attach towards what he might be doing. Or maybe this was one of his decisions on this performer. Uh, type thing. So when that came about throughout the year, I was like, this ain't even a hip hop artist. Oh, this ain't even somebody who I would think he would choose. When I had those opportunities, it just, it, just looking at it from now on back, it just seemed like it was less hip hop performance situations. Uh, and it kind of seemed like Jay Z had no influence on the entire season at all, even from a performance, uh, perspective. Maybe. I'm not sure. There's nothing that has been reported. So we really have to wait and see. I know we said that earlier, but nothing. It's has a full been. season. That's what, that's the only reason why I brought the question back up <laughs> is literally I gave a full season. I waited a entire season to question what is he doing? Yeah, um, I guess he's done talking. That, that's what he said. <laughs> he never started, other than the first time they said something. But I'll move on. It's just, uh, I guess that's more of a personal agenda. Or maybe it's a more public uh, agenda because uh, then I'm driving. But I, I like to see why they even went out the w- their way to publicize the partnership. Um, but uh, just moving along, the CBA contract extension with the NFL is coming up very soon. And it's expected to last 10 years starting March of 2021. So and the CBA, just to kind of briefly uh, explain, is the bylaws, the contract uh, negotiations and how it's pretty much set up for players to benefit, whether it be for retirement, their current pay uh, and, and just little things, whether it be they're getting in trouble, uh, the rules we have to go by and suspensions and things like that. Now, it is expected to last 10 years, the negotiations uh, of this contract, as the NFL has had many times of being the non-player empowerment league, uh, quite different from the NFL. So do you think the NFL will ever become a player-friendly league, and how does that actually happen? I think it's almost impossible not to become a player-friendly league because – there's just going to be too much outcry for people to get more, well, actually players to get more power and decisions on their own career and money. Um, because the money from all of the TV deals and all that stuff, it's only getting bigger and players want bigger contracts and more guaranteed money. And as you can see over the past couple of seasons, there are more and more players getting fully guaranteed contracts. Uh, although there are some little bit, little bits of things in those contracts that might uh, lessen that to a certain degree, but it's still pretty much fully guaranteed. Uh, like Julio Jones, 
uh, he got a fully guaranteed contract. Um, Kirk Cousins, he, he got a fully guaranteed contract, even though it wasn't really completely deserved. Um, so it's, it's really hard to see it not happening. And the way that it happens is just talking it over like how they usually do, but actually getting results. Maybe this is where Jay-Z steps in and he gets results. Um, even though that's not where they, I guess, originally planned for him to work in. Maybe this is where he steps in and gets those results for those players for the future. I I still don't get this relationship, uh, even if you're driving from that point, because you need a lawyer in this situation. This is all that's lawyer work. And I, I'm, I don't think he's has that type of skill uh, of being a lawyer. He may be able to negotiate well when it comes to contracts and knowing uh, business lingo. But when it comes to searching through all the little bylaws, how they're trying to trick you, uh, what you really should be getting, things like that, that's all on a lawyer who most times even has played in the league. As uh, I can't remember the name of the current one um, uh, lawyer for the players. Uh, what's the president of the Players Association for the NFL? Uh, I think something like Jackson or Demars or something like yeah. that. Demars, uh, Demars, something. Yeah, okay. I, I, uh, you, you know who I'm talking about, though. Uh, but that guy, he, he's pretty versed in what's going on, and he even feels that it will take ten years for them to negotiate the how everything's going to be divided up amongst the players and the owners in profit, because there's still a wage gap, even in the NFL, who's getting a lot of the, the players who get a lot of money. The average NFL player only plays two, two and a half years. Uh, so there's a difference between the players you see longstanding versus the average player that, uh, that exists in the NFL. Um, so I just don't see this as a, a avenue for Jay-Z to step into, but maybe and, – and that doesn't even benefit the NFL because you're you're on the other side of the NFL. Your partnership is with the, with the NFL, not against the NFL. No, he's not against it, but part of his job is working with the players and yeah, uh, getting that – But that's for the NFL. But that's for the NFL. It's for the NFL, but – so he's the players from, are involved he's, in this. He's supposed to be the the face of the NFL to the other people. His partnership is with the NFL, not the players of the NFL. If it coincides, he's supposed to mend a relationship between the NFL and the players. But that still puts him on the other side of that conversation, uh, not the player side. He's in between, I, I think. Yeah, he can be in between, but he can never be on the player side. And if you're in between, you're not for nobody. Well, I mean, that makes it even better. You're objective. Yeah, and that's best dealt with a judge or a lawyer. But I, maybe, maybe that is his spot. Maybe, but he's—they're gonna have to find a way for him to be useful. Um, but to move it along uh, just a little bit here, uh, we move to the Patriots, which are willing to offer Tom Brady. 30 million per year and the Raiders have shown high interest in obtaining Tom Brady as they are going to be opening their new amazing stadium in Las Vegas. So should Tom Brady look elsewhere since he wants more money 
and offensive weapons, or should he just stay at home with the Patriots, even though he has been undersold? This is very hard. Um, as a fan of the team, I would like him to stay, but I'm going to say he should look elsewhere. Uh, because, um, <laughs> it's very hard to see the Patriots upgrading all over their team because a lot of their players are older, that their best players are older and not getting any better. Um, they have a pretty young, I guess, wide receiver core that hasn't really developed yet. Uh, another offseason might help, but you never know. Um, Julian Edelman, he's pretty much on his last legs. He was a, a great talent while uh, playing in multiple playoffs, but he's he's almost over the hedge. So I say that he goes out and find another team because that would probably be the best thing for him if he wants to win another ring and prove uh, some things, even though there's really nothing to prove at this point. And he can probably also get the money, but I would think the best thing to do for him is to not get the high, the, that top type of top tier type of money because he already has plenty of money and Super Bowl rings. Try to build more talent around the team. Let the team get in more talent rather than getting a high contract. Yeah, uh, I do think he needs to look elsewhere. I don't know about the Raiders because the whole point of the game is to win the Super Bowl. And I just don't think that's where you should do it. Especially when he's not even from Vegas. He's from uh, Northern California. So that would be understandable if the Raiders were playing back where they were. Uh, but not now, uh, where they're going to be in Las Vegas. If anything, uh, as we were saying before, it makes sense for him to go to L.A. So that would either be the Rams or the Chargers. And we don't some a lot of people don't see them moving on from Jared Goff and it seems like there is an opening with the Chargers. So I would say look elsewhere because he can actually kind of uh, rob the team he's going to uh, and be retired within the next two years easily So because he, he doesn't have to care about what the team looks like after he's gone. Yeah, he could pretty much rob them, but I know he wants to keep making money, but what is – really the purpose of that um you make more money well yeah you want to make more money but <laughs> what's the purpose of making more money to make more money <laughs> but I, but i i think the ultimate goal is winning another championship so it's i i say maybe another 60 million of course that helps you pocket but 60 for him, good god well i mean that 30 million a year for two years oh you okay think so? okay two years okay oh my god i was like yikes no, not 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 per year. No, 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 not per year. What I'm saying is, for two years, thirty million a year. Um, That's for the Patriots, uh, and the Patriots aren't going to um, actually, uh, like, they're not going to have him sign a two year contract at max. I think they're going to go. <laughs> well, I'm going to say max. You can only do one year. He's at. They're only going to do one year contract with him. I, but what I'm saying is, well, what I'm saying is. Robbing a team for the money, there's there's really no point there. There the, is the point, if you have a team that's already built for winning a championship. For example, the Chargers do have weapons. 
uh, another team that would be built for winning a championship because they could possibly do it would be the Titans. And if you replace that with the, uh, a coach that he's actually already won championships with uh, previously, uh, if you also have the fact that you have a great, great running back who can carry the load, uh, you have a great defense. T- Tennessee, I just don't see him living in Tennessee. That's the only problem with that picture. So if you rob a team in a situation like that, Two years from now, you've gotten your money. You say you're getting thirty-five million, forty million, and you're you're holding on for just one year. Because if he wins the championship, he's retiring on that championship. But let's say let's go year by year, forty-five to let's say thirty-five, thirty-five million with Tennessee. Who cares after that point? He, he they got their championship, and if they go back to the abyss, it, it's all worth it. It's like the Cavaliers. Now, when you said rob a team, were you saying that was the goal, or are you talking about the championship? Because that's where you're confusing me. Well, I think it's a both. I think he he's saying I'm gonna uh, get my cake and eat it too. Like that's he hasn't been getting that. That's his whole goal. He's been giving the hometown discount to the Patriots this whole time. That's his whole point. And his goal this time is to be like, hey, I'm getting what I'm worth more than what I'm worth because I've actually gotten robbed all these other years. And if the Patriots aren't going to give it to me, which they're looking like they're not going to give it to me, they give me something, but it's still another hometown discount for the legacy I have on me. Then another team will give it to them. And I think that's a 40 million in one year, really. <laughs> and, and after that, I, I think that's the goal. His goal is to get paid and have an opportunity to win a championship, at least an opportunity. But I think it's actually more to get paid. Um, I don't think it's more to get paid. It's more to win than anything. That he already was, has a whole bunch of money. If it was to win, then you just uh, you give you you don't you don't try to rob them. You don't try to get over on them. You don't try to get more money than uh they can afford for you to get more weapons. So any team out here, if he accepts less than thirty million for any other team, he really just didn't want to play for the Patriots. But what you're saying is. His ultimate goal is to rob them over winning a championship. Yeah, I do think that. I, I think it's more about the. That. <laughs> I think it's more about the money than the championship because there is zero guarantee on a one-year changeover win the championship. There is. I don't think there's ever been a player who's done that where they got traded. Well, some. Uh, sorry, there are players. Sorry about that. There are players, but a significant quarterback with that type of legacy and who's of the older type quarterback to actually switch over one year and win the championship. So he, he has to be going for the money. It has to be money over championship because the championship's nowhere near guaranteed. Well, nothing is guaranteed, but... True, but that money is. Uh, It, it depends on those contract talks. But exactly. I'm going to be getting mine guaranteed if I'm doing my negotiation talks. So if anything I can guarantee on is to get a guarantee on the money. But in this case, it's trying to get both, and the championship weighs yeah. more than just the money. No, I don't think so. He has plenty I, of money already. That, I agree. That doesn't matter. I agree, but but in this case, even if you got a lot of money, and if you're deciding that you're going to go to another team, you're going to get a lot of money. It, the whole goal right now is to get a lot of money and get a championship, but not hurt them too much that they – uh, can't like they need to be at least somewhat established. They don't need to be going out to get 
three other great things to make it a championship team. He's not going to be around for something like that. All right. Well, I mean, I just say that it's more about the championship than the money. So he's that thirsty to win another championship? Yeah, because you remember what I said? What's the best thing about winning a championship is getting the next one. No, which one is your favorite? The next one. Oh, yeah, they do. They did say that. Uh, I think that's Tom Brady. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Okay, (laughs) but uh, moving it along, Uh, we move to the NBA and the all-star game rules that will be changing for the NBA. Uh, Now, the all-star weekend will be coming up pretty soon as it's uh, mostly the skills challenge uh, and highlighted at the end by the all-star game where all the all-stars play from the West and the East as it changes uh, even just in the past couple of years where the captain player chooses his players across the league. Um, but there's been new rules implemented on the upcoming all-star game and slightly due to the tragic death of Kobe Bryant uh, to highlight some of those uh, big changes. Well, some, not very big changes, but changes the, First three quarters will be played with uh, will be played to which decides which charity it goes to. So first quarter, whichever team wins that first quarter, 100,000 goes to their charity. If it's a different one, the following quarter, it goes to their charity and goes all the way to the third quarter. Now, one player, one team can sweep all three and that'll be 300,000 going to their specific charity. Uh, Now, Big changes come to the fourth quarter, though. Now, the fourth quarter will be untimed, and it's a pretty much a game of first to 24 for the last three-quarter winning team. Uh, so if a team was already winning, they pretty much need to score 24 points to win. Now, if a t- the losing team has to make up the difference of what they were losing by plus 24. For example, you're losing by 15 points going into the fourth quarter. It's going to be 15 plus 24 untimed. If you get there before the team who gets goes to 24, the winning team up into the third quarter, then you win the all-star game. Hopefully to create a little bit more um, actual competitiveness to the fourth quarter and to the all-star game. It's a lot of different changes. And the 24 points is really dedicated to Kobe Bryant's death and his number that he wore the second half of his career. No worries. The losing team will still get money to their charity uh, as they will get a hundred thousand, whether they lose all four quarters or they win different quarters. But did the NBA NBA get all of the changes right? Or is it more of a mess than ever? It's more of a mess than ever. Because I, I was pretty much confused on what you were even talking about. Um, I, don't, it's all I had to read it about 15 times the first time around to understand it. It's all over the place. I, um, they're going to have to explain these rules multiple times, at least the commentators, for people to get this. Um, if you are putting in a whole bunch of rules for people to follow, that's just going to turn some people off. But the charity part is nice. Um I think that's the best part about it, but um, these rule changes, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, they got it all messed up because the charity stuff happened anyway. Like, that wasn't anything that's new. The the winning team would get a certain amount. The losing team would get a certain amount. That's just the way it's been happening for the past couple years. They don't 
put as much emphasis on the charity thing, but they do give money to charity and the players don't get it uh, in that uh, where it was different before. Uh, and this thing is a complete mess. Um, they're making it just to kind of dive into it. That each quarter is going to be a game. So after the first quarter, whoever wins that quarter wins a quarter, but that's, it, 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 it's worth nothing. It sounds like nothing's worth nothing to me. Honestly, I wouldn't even want to play in the cha- in the game, even if they were like, hey, uh, the game is uh, it's just all a mess. It's a huge mess. I, I don't know. I know they're trying to honor Kobe, but I'm guessing they just threw this in at the last second. I'm not sure what like who came up with this, but I, it's going to be hard for people to follow. Yeah, it's the all-star game version of the XFL, and it, it, the XFL got it more right than them. Uh, this is uh, hi, hi, hi. Um, this untimed quarter really could go on for a very long time if people are missing shots. It shouldn't because these are the all-stars. It shouldn't really be that bad. It might go short. It might go fast. We honestly don't know how it's going to go because somebody could just – 24 points can be scored in less than a quarter's time most times, but it's also untimed, so it can keep going on. So I honestly don't get the point. If I'm each team, I'm going to just rotate the winners on each quarter so that each charity gets an even amount. Yeah, um, I guess if they're keeping up with that, but I'm pretty sure they're just there to play. <laughs> yeah. So is the 24 points the right way to honor Kobe or is there more to the the more that the NBA should do? Um, there's probably more that they could do as far as like. Um, what about should do, though? Should. I mean, tomato, tomato. Um, I, I, <laughs> so, so you're saying there's nothing they should do. No, no, no. I mean, they they should do more but it's hard to say right now i have no idea maybe honor him with uh more speeches but I'm, i know they've already done that um it's hard to say right now i'm not sure but this doesn't seem like the way i agree because this is a mess and they're saying that they're supposed to these, these rules are supposed to continue on like forever and i, I think this will be getting gotten rid of possibly before the all-star game like to be honest it it may just out of nowhere oh we're not gonna go by these rules i just because it's that much of a mess they might follow through just because they put it out there but i don't see it lasting past this year uh with all of this now what i think the nba should do because um not which i mean uh what's the logo um jerry west uh since jerry west did recruit Kobe. He also has been many years said he hopes they change the logo. He doesn't care about being on the logo. And honestly, I believe him. I've believed him for many years that he doesn't care to be on the logo. I think they should make Kobe, Kobe the logo. His his drive and what he stood for, his legacy, the, the fact of like working diligently, even if you have talent, is a great symbol for the NBA. Um, I know it's a, a possible drastic change. Um, it also provides money for his family because he's not going to be able to benefit off of it. And charities can on top of that, because I'm pretty sure Vanessa, uh, Kobe's wife, would also 
donate some of these things to charity as she establishes charity within just one day of Kobe dying. Um, so I think that's more the NBA should do. And the whole 24 points, I, they get credit for trying, but they they definitely got this one wrong. Oh yeah, they got it wrong, and <laughs> they don't have they don't have much time to fix this uh, before the All Star game. So I don't know what they're gonna do. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, but we're gonna highlight a very good All Star with Damian Lillard, as he has had a very impressive past six games, where he's been simply unstoppable only losing to the Mavs in these three-game run. Now, to throw a little bit of numbers out out there for you, in the past six games, starting with the furthest back, they played the Warriors, and he scored 48 points, shooting 57% from the floor. Plays the Mavs, shoots 52% from the floor, scoring 36 points. Plays the Pacers, shoots 61% from the floor, scoring 50 points. Then followed by the Rockets shooting 57% and scoring 47 points. And then playing the Lakers shooting 46% scoring 61 points. And finally playing the Jazz and scoring 51 points. Over this six game span, he has averaged, over this span, he has averaged 48.8 points and 10 assists. And has made 49 three-pointers. So, I ask, has Dame, Damian Lillard reached the level of unstoppable player, especially with him living up to the Logo Lillard nickname, shooting mostly from extreme long range? Or is he still a mediocre all-star? <laughs> mediocre all-star? I, I didn't know that was a thing. But um, he's unstoppable right now. He, he's on a pretty good stretch run where he's putting up, I, I guess, close to 50 points every game. But um, it's it's pretty much needed for his team because they are out of the playoff race right now. And he's trying to get them in the playoff run before the All-Star break. Uh, but he, he's going to have to keep doing this just to keep them relevant. And it's unfortunate for him. Um, I know he always says that he is always uh, underrated, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think he's correctly rated because he doesn't always shine in the best moments. And his team, it does pretty well most of the time, but this year has just fallen off. Um I, I just right now, I just think he's on a really good stretch run, but he's not unstoppable. Okay, so that would be a mediocre all star. And to define it, uh, just I know mediocre is it seems very disrespectful, but when you place them within all stars, that just means you're middle of the pack of all stars. You're not at the bottom, and you're not at the top of the all stars, which wouldn't make you unstoppable at all. Um, so. Right now, just given the evidence of the last six games, I would have to say he's unstoppable. Uh, it, it does. I have to give it time for it be a long 
thing because he is they are out of the playoffs they're, they're a couple games out of the playoffs right now and he's doing everything to get them there try to get them at least into the playoffs as many other seasons they've either been number one number three in a hard west division um but he has been living up to the logo Lillard thing he comes right past half court and he shoots from the logo uh he is way past the three-point line that is already pretty far back currently it's not like your regular three-point line on a uh, court like a regular court when you're playing high school uh, middle school or out on the yard it's it's amazing actually because no one should guard a shot like that no one should be that far out trying to make sure you don't shoot up a a shot It, it is quite unstoppable he does have an unstoppable move and he is shooting from a high, a very high percentage in the stretch with making 49 three-pointers, which is quite amazing. It can't be guarded. So at least a part of his game is unstoppable. But his effect on the game, I can't give it full unstoppable when it comes to the full team wins. Yeah, and it's just really hard to say. Does all all of this high scoring produce wins? And so far, um, I mean, it was enough to beat the Lakers. But <laughs> well, they won. I, they they won the five out of those uh, six games, only losing okay. to the Mavs. Okay, I mean, I mean, I guess, but it's not really sustainable. Not who at all. Going to, who's going to score fifty and sixty points every single game? Not yeah. Damian Lillard. Not Dame Dalla. He might. Every him. game. No, no, but he is doing it, so it's hard to say that. Like, he hasn't stopped doing it. Uh, to average six games, that's a long stretch of scoring almost 50 points. James Harden was just averaging 40 points uh, for the season, and we should have been amazed as, because it's unheard of. It does mean that a lot of people don't play defense anymore. But at the same time, Dame has a move that nobody should even try to guard. Even the best defender should not be up by the logo trying to guard him from shooting a three-pointer. It just doesn't even make sense. And a normal player, that's not even being into the play. This just makes me think, what are these current children thinking that see these players take these shots from the logo? Are they just practicing full-court shots? That's the new three-pointer. I guess so, and you make it unstoppable. Maybe we aren't thinking as far into the game as others have, because we've seen each game grow. We've seen moves that people didn't think you're supposed to do before happen, even going from uh, the most dominant plays being uh, inside the uh, the box, dunking and mid-range, down to your best game is three-pointers. So... It's hard to say, because if you start shooting on the other side of the logo, who is actually able to ever guard that? Well, I mean, I I guess you're always going to get pressure on you if you start shooting out there consistently. True, but then that means that you should be able to have handles. Even being in that position, if you throw handles with being able to shoot from literally almost anywhere on the court, it can't be guarded. That's what's what's making Damian... Uh, Lillard so unstoppable right now. You don't there. That is bad defense to go up that far to guard someone. You make them come closer. 
And even if then you can be far up from the three point line, but not that far up. If players are, if the game does gravitate that way, where people are shooting from the other side of the half mark, that means you have to play full court defense always, which tires your players on defense. And if you don't have somebody on the other end that has to tire out your same player who does that on the other end, it becomes an advantage. Yeah, it it becomes an advantage, but it just plays into uh, less defense. But that's not even defense. Like, honestly, that's just the that's just not smart defense to even try to guard somebody up that high. You you will be running with him, but you're not you're not supposed to be jumping at uh, shots from that far unless it's halftime going into halftime. Yeah, I can see it being bad defense, but if there are multiple players who do that, then defense then is going to have to adjust. So then you grab the ball, you have somebody pass the ball to you, and, and you fake it up, and then you cross them to the left. Or you cross them to the right. Well, or, yeah, but defense is adjust, so. Um, true, very true, I, very I, true. I guess. It becomes unstoppable, and it's seeming that a lot of these players are transitioning the game. Uh, to just a different type of game out here uh, where it can't really be guarded. Um, it's moving even farther back from Steph Curry to now Dame being so far back. But uh, moving along and until our last subject, it's the NBA and the China's relationship. As we cover early in the season uh, with the fallout with Dar- Daniel Mori support for the protesting in China. Now, it has recently uh, came out that the NBA has lost over $400 million in profit with China ban- banning the NBA and has had a lot of fallout and may have some future fallout for the NBA. Uh, we already the NBA is already dealing with issues with viewership in the U.S. as the regular season does not seem to be as important to the fans and may even lead to, with the relationship between uh, China and the NBA being bad, may lead to players' wages being changed to a smaller amount due to how much wages they are losing from China's viewership. So, does the NBA now need to mend ties with China to survive as it exists now? Yeah, um, I think either way that we're going to have to settle these things. Uh, but it's hard to settle this whenever there's there's things outside of basketball that are the problem. So um, the NBA just has to somehow, I don't know, somehow get these relations better. Um, I have no idea how they're going to do it. Uh, this has to be behind closed doors for this to happen because, uh, of course, China is a big um, consumer of the NBA and they have basically lost almost all of them. Um, we, we can blame a lot of the lower ratings on um, all of the people that they lost from China and also a lot of people not putting too much into the regular season and only looking forward to the playoffs. And myself, I am guilty of that because I don't watch too many NBA games. <laughs> Mostly watch the highlights because there's way too many games, but um, they have to fix this somehow. Agreed. And 
we are actually sports sports guys. Uh, we are pers- people who actually would like to tune in. Even the people who like to tune in can't tune in. It does not agree with actual work schedules and things like that. It's it's quite hard to actually consume the amount of basketball that is out there. Um, so the NBA does have a problem here in the U.S. and they have a bigger problem when it comes to China. I think China has been supporting the NBA's habit of not tuning in. Uh, they were filling the slots. They were still pushing the wage wages up for the players and the NBA. And the NBA may be hitting a wall very soon. The NBA, as we know it, may be at its peak when it comes to income. We never felt it would go lower as there's uh, inflation and things like that. And just overall more popularity to a sport. So barring any like drastic changes by the NBA to get people to view more, um, they have a big problem with China. And with it being off the court issues and such a slight thing that, to set them off, they they control everything that does come in. And I think they're very diligent. They're 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 gonna stick to their guns, which creates a giant gap and may really lead to players being paid less. The 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 rare times of being paid a lot may only exist in the 2010s and the 2020s. Actually, yeah, uh, both of those, for the most part, in the 90s. Yeah, um, but I think it's pretty early to say that the NBA has reached its peak. Um, things could easily change, and the the relations between the NBA and China and also the U.S. and China get better. Um, just there has to be some type of talks behind closed doors to fix all of these problems. And that's so, going to up the ratings. So who do you talk to? Who do you talk to? I have no idea. I mean, I'm not a problem. And how do you change a, a full country's perception after a I'm pretty sure they they've expressed why they don't uh, they don't allow them. And they're definitely against anti-government things as the U.S. would be also. I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> they better fix it somehow or their pockets are just going to keep hurting. Agreed. So I, I kind of do see this being as an extremely big issue. Um, but we'll, of course, give you more on that as more news ha- comes up. But this has been So You Think You Know Sports. Uh, we have this last part, which is the three questions. Uh, Muhammad comes up with the questions. I try to answer them, give you a little bit of conversation and just anything I may know about the subject. Um, so go ahead with that first question, Mohammed. All right. First question. Which of the following NFL teams currently has the longest playoff drought? A, Tampa Bay, B, Cleveland, or C, the New York Jets? Hmm, that's kind of hard. I really don't think it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they went in the early 2000s and won. Uh, so I would count them out of a drought. And this is just making the playoffs, right? Yep, just making the playoffs. Okay, not Super Bowl. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and quickly count them out. But go ahead and repeat the question and answer, and I'll try to get this right. Which of the following NFL teams currently has the longest playoff drought? A, Tampa Bay, B, 
Cleveland, or C, the New York Jets? Mm. See, I'm, I'm ready to go ahead and count out the Jets also because they went to the playoffs with Rex Ryan and there was the butt fumble and everything. So I'm going to go with Cleveland. Final answer. That is correct. I mean, uh, that's the obvious answer. <laughs> yeah, hey, I just had to make sure it wasn't like a trick question where the Browns made it in one year that I just didn't know, but they have been that horrible for that long. All right, so number two. Which of these NBA players were once teammates? A, Tracy McGrady and Dwight Howard. B, Ray Allen and Kevin Durant. Or C, Vince Carter and Chris Bosh. Yeesh. This is quite hard. Um, yeah, go ahead and repeat the question and answer again. I can't even give you any commentation on that. Which of these NBA players were once teammates? A, Tracy McGrady and Dwight Howard. B, Ray Allen and Kevin Durant. Or C, Vince Carter and Chris Bosh. Oh, Chris Carter. What was that last one again? Just one more time. Vince Carter and Chris Bosh. Mm, this is so hard. This is so hard. I feel like it's Ray Allen and Kevin Durant when it was in Seattle. But I'm not exactly sure. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with Kevin Durant and Ray Allen. That's wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's hey, Vince Carter uh, and Chris Bosh. Okay. And I was I kept repeating that in my head. I don't know why. But I can't remember when they were players uh together. I, I knew they played for the Raptors, but I didn't know whether it was during the same time whether Vince uh Vince Carter was already gone from there or not. But yeah, go ahead with the uh, last question there. Which of these positions has Magic Johnson not played? A center, B power forward. Or C, small forward? Guys, this is hard. Because <laughs> well, I feel like it's a trick question, but maybe it isn't a trick question. Um, and this is like officially, is it just for one game or is this like for ever. a season? Ever. ever? <laughs> oh, gosh. They actually uh-huh. stuck to positions at that time. Hmm. Okay, so um, repeat question and answer one more time, and I I think I can get this one. Which of these positions has Magic Johnson not played? A, center, B, power forward, or C, small forward? Gosh, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I'm going to say center. That is wrong. I thought that was the one that you would throw out. But it's actually small forward. Ah, uh, yeah. uh, I just didn't know. I honestly didn't know on that one. <laughs> I just felt like he didn't play officially play center, but I just don't know. <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, I guess I got one out of three on that one. But this has been so you think you know sports. We'll come to you next week with the best uh, highlights and great news from the past week. See you next week.